Welcome to the Feel Good Running Podcast, where our goal is to keep you motivated, inspired, and energized. As a runner, or perhaps you are looking for the right motivation to become one, you've definitely found the right place. We share inspirational stories from real runners, motivating running-related information, and much more to help you feel good about your running. And now your host and a longtime feel-good runner himself, Jim Lynch. Hi, and welcome to Feel Good Running Podcast. I'm Jim Lynch. I'm your host, and I want to thank you for listening to episode number two. That's right, number two. Hopefully you listened to number one. I'm, I'm really crossing my fingers that you did. And if you like what you hear, please consider subscribing. You can go to feelgoodrunning.com and subscribe there, or you can go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from that we are on. So thank you. Really, thank you for listening. Um, we have a great show for you today. Now, if you listen to the first episode, you understand that this podcast is about the everyday runner. That's right. The everyday runner who goes out there and just gets the job done every day and does it for personal reasons. That's why you run. So how is your week? Did you have a good week? Did you get your miles in? Are you training or have you already done your race? I know that we are past the marathon fall season. I'm launching this a little bit late. So it's uh, winter time and now you're going to be hunkering down and dressing in warm clothes. That's right. Warm clothes and going out there for your run with hats and gloves and warm clothes. I live on Maui, so I don't know what that is. Anyways, um, today's episode is awesome because we have a guest I did an interview with a while back. Her name is Karen Oslin, and she's from Austin, Texas. Karen is our inaugural guest to Feel Good Running. That's right. She is my first interview that you're going to hear. And it's really awesome. She is a good friend. She's super smart. She's a professor at the University of Texas, Austin. And you're going to enjoy this interview. She is the definition of an everyday runner. So as I said, I am uh, new to this podcasting thing. It's taken me quite a while to figure out how to do a podcast, uh, get the right equipment, how to figure out how to edit a podcast, how to upload it to iTunes and all the stuff that you need to do uh, for a podcast. And so, you know, I don't know how it's going to sound. I don't know if you're going to like it, if the sound quality is good. Uh, maybe I suck. I don't know. But uh, second episode, um, and I hope that you really are enjoying uh, this podcast because I'm new at it. I'm not a professional. Hope to after, you know, several episodes. I hope to be more of a professional. So thank you very much for listening. So I got a text recently from one of my friends. He's a pretty amazing athlete. He has run 262 marathons. And back in the day, he was quite a fast runner. And now I think that uh, he, he isn't as fast as he used to be. But uh, to get to 262 marathons, that's an accomplishment. And in addition to running marathons, he's also completed several triathlons and 
He is a Iron Man. I'm not sure how many of those he did, but I know he did quite a few. So I received a text from him about a month ago, and it said, I've been training and getting my speed back. However, I did a triathlon last Sunday, and then when he started training a day later, his heart went into AFib. Now, if you don't know what AFib is, it's atrial fibrillation, and it's basically uh, your heart rate jacks up and won't come back down. And his heart rate was 160 plus beats. He said he felt good, but he had to see a cardiologist and take some meds to get his heart rate back under 100 beats per minute. He also said that he didn't know it, but long-term endurance athletes easily have this problem as they get older. So he's monitoring his blood pressure and his heart rate. And amazingly, he would not have realized anything was wrong without his Garmin and Apple Watch heart rate monitor. So a couple weeks after this text came and I had corresponding conversations with him, he texted me again and said that he talked to a sports cardiologist at Stanford and that cardiologist wants him, wants to include him uh, in his study. And because he caught this early, he can probably skip medical procedures and not compete. He's keeping his heart rate under 130 and it seems to be working at this point. And that day he said he biked about 50 miles and didn't go into AFib. But he did mention that there is no running and he doesn't see racing in the foreseeable future. He made it a point that I should always monitor my heart rate when working out. He said he would never have known if he didn't have his HR monitor watch on. And that it can save your life. Now, I wear a Garmin 235 and I just monitor my pace, my average pace and distance. That's it. I never have monitored my heart. I was checking out some of my statistics on my Garmin because apparently you have a ton of statistics in there. And I noticed that my my average heart rate while I'm running is between roughly 136 and 155 just depends on what type of course I'm running if there's hills on it or if it's flat my maximum heart rate when I'm running according to my statistics is somewhere between 155 and 178 so I'm I'm think I'm in a good area my resting heart rate seems to be between 45 and 55 on a uh, normal basis I do know that several athletes runners and triathletes and Ironman really monitor their heart rate I know that they swear they live and die by their their Garmin or their uh, Apple watch probably dies not a a good word probably shouldn't use that word Okay, so I'm going to scratch that. But uh, they monitor very heavily their heart rate statistics. And I think I'm going to start. I'd be interested. How about you? What do you do? Shoot me an email, jim at feelgoodrunning.com. It'd be uh, really worthwhile to explore this a little bit further. All right, let's move on with this week's running news segment. Searching anywhere and everywhere, here is this episode's Feel Good Running News. Five years ago, Gene Dykes was at the Toronto Waterfront Marathon and was in the audience as the great Canadian Masters runner, Ed Whitlock, spoke and someone asked him about his records. Whitlock said the record that would likely stand was his two-hour, 54-minute and 48-second marathon that he ran at the age of 73. 
Now, Gene was 65 then with a marathon PR of 316. In April of 2018, this last April, at the age of 70, he ran a 257.43 at the Rotterdam Marathon. Then this past October, he ran a 255.17 in the Toronto Marathon, just slightly under a minute from the record. Gene says he trains real hard, and with this goal in front of him, the hard training is worth it. He makes his mission to encourage people to take on new and harder challenges and will be running the California International Marathon this December. You know, you really can run at any age. Stories like this inspire me, and should you also. Gene may be a level up from an everyday runner, but he's 70 years old, and that is something to feel good about. Good luck, Gene. I really hope you reach your goal. Having a hard time getting motivated for your run? Well, at 102, yes, 102, Man Cower is still running and winning gold medals. She recently won a gold medal for the 100 to 104 age group at the World Masters Athletic Championships in Melga, Spain, in a time of 3 minutes and 14 seconds. Ms. Cowers started running in 2009 at the ripe young age of 93 when her son urged her to take up track and field. Hmm, 93. Well, so far, she has won 32 gold medals. She wakes up at 4 o'clock a.m. and goes to the track about 7 o'clock a.m. every day. In addition to running, she also does shot put and javelin practice. But, you know, if the weather's bad, she just goes to the gym and lifts weights. Why not? What else do you do at 102? She has a message for young people who's probably just just about every single person on the planet keep away from junk food and stick to a solid strong exercise program you got that remember keep away from the junk food gonna be very hard especially for me i kind of like my junk food at times and stick to a solid exercise program that's right 102 years old amazing now get out there and run no excuses right now get off the couch you can binge watch your net Flick shows later. And now it's time to welcome this episode's very special running guest. Well, you're going to enjoy this episode's interview with Karen Oslin. She is our first interview ever on Feel Good Running, and I am so proud to have her. Uh, she's a good friend of mine. She comes out with her husband to Maui quite often and joins our running group. And uh, Karen fits perfectly as an everyday runner. I had a chance to interview Karen a few months back. Now, a little background, Dr. Oslin is a professor and teaches science at the University of Texas in Austin. She is the author and co-author of several curriculum science books and even children's books that are related to science. Karen's from Kenosha, Wisconsin, a town I actually lived in in my younger days because of my career in the cable television industry. I know Karen as a runner and a runner she is. She loves running in general and loves running races. She has done well over 100 marathons and several half marathons, 10Ks and 5K races. I think she runs a race just about every week. I see it on Facebook. You know, Karen is the true everyday runner. She's not fast. She just enjoys running. And yes, she does win her age group. One other final point about Karen to think about as you listen to this interview. 
Karen is 75 years old. Enjoy. Hi, Karen. How are you doing today? Great. Nice to see you, Jim. Uh, it's good to see you, too. Um, I can't tell you how excited I am to have you on Feel Good Running Podcast. I think that uh, we've known each other for probably four years, something like that, when I first met you, maybe even longer than that. You've been coming out to Maui every so often for the Wednesday night run, even when Rita was uh, doing it, right? Yes, that's correct. So probably about six years, I think, we've known probably. each other. Yeah, well... You know, I know your background, and I was uh, running one day, which is a surprise that I was running one day, and I thought, you know what, you're out here for three, almost four weeks on this stretch, and uh, I like your story, and I think everybody else will be inspired and motivated by what you do. So thank you for coming on to the podcast. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about you and your background. Um, first of all, you live in Austin, Texas. That's correct. And you've lived in Austin for 35 years. Yes, I have. And uh, you're married to Fred, who is a, also a runner. Yes. And uh, he comes out normally with you, but this trip he didn't. That's correct. Yeah. You're both very, very busy people, by the way. <laughs> Um, and uh, you are a professor at the University of Texas in Austin, correct? That's correct. Tell me a little bit about what you do, uh, you know, what, what you teach and kind of what your background is in that area. Well, I'm fortunate enough to be at the University of Texas at Austin, and I teach a hands-on science course. It's uh, physics, which we all know is the fundamental science. Everything is based on matter and energy. It's hands-on. And so I get the football players. I get the drama majors. Uh, I get the dance majors. I even get elementary education majors. So uh, business, advertising, you name it, they come and take my hands-on science course. So everything we do, as the name implies, is hands-on. Wow. How long have you been teaching? 35 years. Everything time. seems to be 35 years. <laughs> That's the number of the day. So if you're playing the lottery, throw a uh, number 35 in there somewhere. Maybe that'll, you know, strike you rich and you can give Karen a uh, percentage of your winnings. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. So, and you, you absolutely love teaching. I really do. I'm passionate about teaching, uh, there's something about um, the, the learning process for students. And when I see that light bulb go on um, and see that they've developed an interest in the science that I'm teaching, it's like no other feeling other than maybe running <laughs> that right. you can get. So um, in your 35 years of teaching, you probably have had several hundred, if not thousand, of students that have uh, been in your classes. Um, is there any success stories out there of some of folks that have gone through your classes and now have excelled and have become, you know, an, an amazing, well-known whatever? 
Well, every now and then I run into one of my students and uh, sometimes they look the same and I remember them and sometimes they don't. Uh, I've heard stories of people who became so interested in science that now they're like a science director in a school district. And so I think that's a success story that they embrace science so much that they decided to make it their career and help others. Yeah. Is... um um, science, that would be also, do you have any students that ended up in uh, NASA? If I do, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's just admirable what you teach and I know you're passionate about it. And, uh, you know, that always, if a teacher is very passionate, the student is engaged. That's my feeling. If the you know, obviously, if the teacher isn't passionate, then you fall asleep in the class, I would assume. <laughs> um, so not only are you a teacher, but you write books. Yes. So tell me a little bit about the books that you write. I've written a lot of textbooks, uh, K through 12, and even at the college level and at the graduate school level. And they're science books, so they're not fiction. <laughs> they're fact. Yeah, fact. And uh, I hope that I make science sound so interesting that they want to even find out more about science. And some of the books that you uh, write, they're curriculum books for your for your classes. Yes. But they're also fun books, too, yes. for, for students, uh, primarily younger students, to get excited about science. Yes. Um, I like to get them off to the right start right in elementary grades. And I think nothing can be more fun than doing what scientists do. And so I've written quite a few books that help students become scientists and uh, learn the work that scientists do, learn the skills that scientists need, and learn some content, too. Yeah. I I assume um, we're probably going to have some listeners out there that are interested in science. So, um, you know, I know that you have books on Amazon and I'm going to put that link in the show notes. So, you know, maybe maybe somebody out there wants to take a look at your uh, uh, some of the stuff that you've written. Um, and you do you go did you go by one name or did you have another name that you went by too besides Karen Osland? No. I saw a Karen Lind in there. I don't know. Oh, okay. Sometimes I write, the textbook series are written often with a team of people. Ah. And each person has to do something different uh, in the textbook series, whatever your expertise may be. So Karen Lynn is one of my co-authors. Got it. Okay. I didn't know if you were, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a ghost writer or if that's a real person in there. It's a real person. Yeah. It's kind of like the same premises as uh, whatever the topic is for dummies. It seems like there's a lot, and I'm not saying that in a funny way, that they, they have that whole series of, you know, like... Uh, uh, Microsoft Word for dummies and, you know, anything for dummies, but it looks like it's a collaboration of people that they they pull in to be able to write certain parts of that book. Yes. So it's kind of same. That often happens in textbook series. Uh, yeah. Often there's quite a tight timeline that they have to be written on, and so a whole team of people get together so that you can effectively and efficiently get it done. Yeah, yeah. and it seems like that's necessary to what you just said, effectively and efficiently get it done. So um, what's very impressive impressive about you in the, in the book arena, because I'm actually been trying to write a book 
and I got two of them that I'm working on. Um, however, you seem to be able to hammer those things out really fast. How fast do you write these things? <laughs> if I'm writing a book on my own, I can probably do it in 30 days. It's usually up in my head. And so it's just a matter of how fast can I get it down uh, into the computer and then print it out. Do you, when you write, do you do it in an organized manner where when you, when you type, it's coming out clean or do you have to go back and edit a lot of it? Are you just dumping, you know, in a brain dump and then editing afterwards? I usually start with some kind of an outline. And honestly, that can take a lot of time to just do the planning and how things go together, how they fit together, what should the sequence do. After I have that done, it just kind of flows out of me. Um, I have to do some editing, but usually not a lot. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I, I'm going to have to get tips from you, and unless it's just something that you're naturally gifted, which I think you are naturally gifted to do that in 30 days. Oh, my gosh. And for the subject matter that you're, you're writing about. So um, actually, we're a running podcast, and um, so we're going to segue over so the runners can hear about your running stuff now which is really exciting. So um, one thing about Karen, um, she's from Kenosha, Wisconsin. And I spent time in Kenosha, Wisconsin, living there from 1985 to the end of 1986. So I'm very familiar with that area. Uh, But you weren't running in Kenosha. It was up in Minnesota when you started running. That's correct. uh, I think you said somewhere around 1980. Yes. There was a... You must have really lived in a rural area because you said it was one mile to the end of the road where the mailbox was. Well, the uh, the mailbox was at the end of a very long drive that I lived on. Uh-huh. But then there was a country road oh. that was one mile long. And you would cross country that in the winter. Yes. And then when the snow melted, you would then walk it. And then you would run one mile and then walk a mile. So, well, I graduated to that. So, first of all, I'd run to one mailbox and the next mailbox, then, you know, walk, then run to the next mailbox. So, I sort of did intervals. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had a, a colleague that uh, was uh, going to do a race because she was dating a professor that was a <laughs> marathon runner. Yes. And she talked you into running a, was it a 5 or a 10K? It actually was a four-mile race on Mother's Day, and mothers got to run free. And I was a mother, so I thought, okay, it's free, but I'm not sure I can do four miles. Yeah. And so uh, how did that progress? You did, it, did, you did that first four-mile race, right? Yes, that was my very first race. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I was used to doing two miles, running down to the end of my road, which is one mile, and running one mile back. I didn't think I could double it and do four but she encouraged me to go out and train with her. And so we trained a bit for it and got to the race day and by golly, did the four miles. Wow. <laughs> and so where did the 10K come in at? Then uh, the professor she was dating said, well, now that you've done four miles, I think it'd be nice if you did a 10K. So again, she came to me and I said, wait, I did four miles. There's no way I could run 6.2. And again, she said, well, let's just practice. Let's train. Let's see if we can do it. And again, we did it. 
And so uh, you got you got two races under your belt, and you're progressing in your distances. And uh, you ended up going with them because he was running the grandma's marathon up in Duluth. Yes. And you weren't running it that year, but you saw what was going on and then you made a decision that you wanted to run it, right? That's correct. And uh, it was the following year in 1983, and that was your first marathon. It was. And uh, what's interesting about it is I made a commitment to do it the year before when I saw my friend's boyfriend running it. And so uh, the day that I ran it was also the day I graduated from the University of Minnesota with my Ph.D. Wow. So I missed the graduation ceremonies and did a marathon instead. They still gave me the degree. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just didn't walk during man. the ceremony. Wow. <laughs> So uh, you were you you were initially very passionate about running, yes. <laughs> because I I don't know how long it uh, your schooling was to get your PhD, but uh, to to this your graduation and do a marathon, wow, that's 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 impressive. <laughs> so let's talk about grandmas. I've run that race. Um, I did that one in when I was doing my fifty states and. Uh, it was fun. Uh, yeah. It was the only race in all my marathons that was delayed because of rain and lightning. Oh, wow. And we all stood under this uh, small tent and uh, um, waited for the storm to pass. And it was a half hour uh, late getting started, but they had to do that for safety reasons. And we were really concerned that they may cancel the race um and then it ended up uh when they started it it was nice and cloudy and cool there was a few little sprinkles on the way the course was great and uh, got in uh to duluth and uh finished and uh got back to the dorm because we were renting dorms at that time as a room and uh it started raining and never stopped till we got on a plane in minneapolis <sighs> so but that's my story. Let's talk about your story. Your first marathon. Tell me how you felt about that experience. Well, it was in 1983. And at that time, they had a time limit. You had to be able to finish the marathon in four hours and 30 minutes. And I was a teacher at that time in Minnesota. And there was another teacher at my school who had run a marathon. So I went to her and I asked her for for advice. And she said, well, you know, let's train together. I'll do it with you because she already had one under her right. belt. So we went out. We got a training schedule and I think from Runner's World at the time. And we went out and uh, trained together. And it was cold. We had to train in the snow and on icy roads and the like. And we looked for races that were longer distances, half marathons and more uh, to kind of help us with our training. And through doing that, we met other people that were also training for Grandma's Marathon. So it ended up we sort of had a critical mass that all went together to Mm -hmm. the race and ran it. Um, I trained it so I could run it in four hours and 30 minutes. Wow. And uh, I don't know when you ran it if they showed a video of everyone finishing at Grandma's, which is a restaurant in Duluth. 
But when I ran it, they did that. And so we watched the video of us coming over the finish line, and we just made it. They dropped the finish line. No kidding. I just made it in four hours and 30 minutes. Wow. (laughs) I'm not sure if they had a time limit when I did did it, Um, but that's amazing when you have a time limit of four hours and 30 minutes. Was it 4.30 or... Four hours and 30 minutes, oh and that was my gosh. first marathon. I had to run it. Right. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. So you really had to do some major training for that. Yes. When you crossed the finish line, how did you feel at your first marathon? I think you have the feeling like you can do anything. If I can set my mind to do this, I can do anything. When you first started doing the uh, training for the marathon, did you ever think you would be able to finish? Yes, I I don't think I would have started training if I didn't think I could finish. Yeah, good good point. I mean, that's it. Sometimes we go into these things blind, and then when you know when uh, we get to the start line, we're like uh, deer in the headlights, uh, going, questioning why we're standing at the start line. Uh, but we get through it. One of the things I remember about it, it was graduation day at the University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities. Uh, a few people actually ran in robes. <laughs> graduation really wow (laughs) you know it's amazing you you mentioned uh um you know 1983 training plans it's not like today where you can pull a training plan off the internet um you have your gps watches i mean it it's and even even our clothing for running back in 83 i if you had a little uh timex watch and some cotton shorts and a top and a pair of sneakers because I don't even know if running shoes were that big back then. It's what you, that's how you did it. In fact, my mother bought me my first pair of running shoes. I was running in like kids. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I told her I was training for this marathon and in the mail I received a pair of running shoes. Wow. New Balance, I still remember that. Just amazing how it's all transpired because I, I didn't start running officially my first marathon until 1989, but I was familiar with it beforehand. So you were in, you were living in Minneapolis area at that time, right? Yes. Okay. Actually Forest Lake, Minnesota. Forest Lake. Okay. And, um, so let's, let's, uh, uh, progress a little bit to, um, your husband and, uh, you know, just like, uh, a lot of stories out there, you met your husband through a running function, the Hash House Harriers, and was that in many uh, in the in uh, Minnesota? No, it was actually in Austin, Texas. Oh, so you already moved I there? I had at moved that time. to Austin, Texas. Okay. Yes, and they're all over the world. Hash House Harriers right. are all over the world. We don't have any on Maui, but I heard that there is a Hash House Harriers in Honolulu. I would define the Hash House Harriers as a. A drinking group that has a running problem. It has a running problem, right? I think that's their motto too, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, you started running with the Hash House Harriers, and um, how did you meet Fred? So I'll back up maybe to the Hash House Harriers, and uh, it was really hot in Austin when I first moved there, and I was used to cooler temperatures in Minnesota for running. 
And so it was hard to get out and run sometimes. So I saw a little ad in a newspaper for the Hash House Harriers. They do Sunday runs. So I knew nothing about them and went out and saw how much fun they had. They lay a trail. And so you try to follow the trail. And at the end of the trail, you have a beer. So I thought that was fun. And uh, I kept hearing about a member of the Hash House Harriers in Austin named Fred Taylor. And they would talk about him, that he was a scientist and he was in the South Pacific doing research. So I kept hearing about him and, you know, my curiosity grew. And finally, after a month or so, Fred Taylor appeared and I met him. So we were running buddies for quite a few years. Nice. And so you had a lot to talk about right off the bat because of, you know, both what your backgrounds are. Yes. Wow. And, um, and so uh, as things progressed, uh, from what I understand, you both trained for a triathlon together. Yes. So the events in the triathlon were running, biking, and canoeing. So you had to have two people for the canoe. Mm. And so we got together and got in the canoe and we were biking and we were running. And that's kind of when we had a change in our relationship because we were seeing each other. And I think those endorphins really turned on. It turned to a romance. And so that was great. So we finally got to the big day when we were going to do the triathlon. And I probably ran a 10K at... Under an eight-minute pace, which I think is fairly good. I think I was last. Very good. <laughs> but I think I was last. The really? people were so good. They oh, were my running gosh. It. And then Fred got on the bike, and he managed to pass quite a few people. And he got off the bike, and then we were going to run down and get in the lake with our canoe. And a thunderstorm came up, huge. And there was an airplane, a small airplane in the area. It went down in the lake. Oh, my gosh. And the people who were already in the lake, they stopped us from going in. They capsized. So uh, hmm. that was our event Wow, has been training for. Wow. Wow. That's, a, that's quite a story. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, um, so you both finished. Well, we they never allowed us to do oh, the they canoe didn't. part. Oh, okay. And the people that were there kind of capsized, and they brought them all back in. Yeah, yeah. And so did they? Uh, did they still count the time just for the other two uh, portions? I of believe the- they did. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it uh, grew into a romance. And, I, you know, actually, I think uh, Fred posted a picture on uh, Facebook recently of uh, uh, you and, and your younger days of running. Um, I can see why he chased you. <laughs> so uh, caught me, too. And caught you. Yeah. So uh, before that triathlon that you did uh how many how many race marathons did you about do you think you did already uh that was about in i'd say 1987 so maybe 10 10 at that time maybe okay so and, and then and then you both started doing races together yes but fred didn't think he could run a marathon so uh the most he would do would be a half marathon mm-hmm. and it was not until about in the 2000s that he ran his first marathon. But when he ran his first marathon, he qualified for Boston. He's quite the runner. <laughs> to this day, he's quite the runner. And you're quite the runner, too. Thanks. So let's talk about uh, your races. You know, you said that you 
uh, average about three marathons a year, correct? Yes. And have ever since you started doing marathons. Give or take a marathon a year. <laughs> yeah, give or take a marathon a year. So you're doing, uh, you probably have, you've done well over 100 marathons. Yes. Okay. Can you tell me some of your favorites out there? I have favorites for different reasons. If you ask me what my favorite urban marathon is, it has to be Twin Cities. Yeah. So I love that one. That was my actually my second marathon. But I've gone back several times to support our son, who's uh, run it two or three times now. And then Fred and I have done what they call the shortcut from downtown Minneapolis to downtown St. Paul. It's 10 miles. Ah, okay. And then waiting for our son Al to finish. So that one is just beautiful for an urban marathon. Uh, Scenery-wise, Big Sur can't be beat. It is magnificent. And one of my favorite parts of that one is at the bottom of one big hill that you have to climb is they have drummers that are drumming and you just kind of get into the beat of the drumming and it drives you right up. And the nice surprise when you get to the top is they have someone with a grand piano and a tuxedo playing the piano. <laughs> you know, two two pictures of Big Sur that I always noticed and I've never run that. And I know... Um, out here, Malia Krause, she uh, won that, you know, the f- women's about, I don't, I can't remember what year, but I did an interview with her and she, she won that. And uh, she said she would, recon- she would, she would consider doing that one again. And so, it's amazing. But the picture of the bridge yes. is always in the Big Sur Marathon <laughs> and then the gentleman at the grand piano. Yep. But I hear it's phenomenal. It is. It is. I think we've done it three or four times now. Wow. So it's a must do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm done with the marathons, but um, I'm, I just am uh, bummed that I never had a chance to do the Big Sur. And Marine Corps Marathon, they call it the People's Marathon for a reason. They don't really have elite runners in it. It's just for everyone to go and run it. They don't have corrals at the start where they uh, put you in by the time that you run. Everybody just comes and runs it. And you go by every monument, every museum. So I've done that one twice. Nice. I really like that one. Yeah. A lot of people talk about Marine Corps. Um, is that uh, is that a lottery now to get in? It may be. The two times I did it, it was not a lottery. Yeah. Uh, the first time I did it was on Halloween. And uh, so to celebrate doing the marathon, we got tickets uh, to see uh, here. Oh, the, oh, the, okay. At the Kennedy yeah, yeah, Center. Yeah. So we yeah. got tickets to see here at the Kennedy Center. Right. And people came in costume, but these were the clothes I wore. Wow. <laughs> so they didn't seem like costumes to me. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> but was, that a, was fun. Yeah. And the Kennedy Center is an awesome place to yes. watch, uh, you know, whether it's a concert or a play. Um, I saw Jerry Seinfeld at the <sighs> Kennedy Center and that was, that was very good. Enjoyed that. Um, And I think you put in your notes, too, New York City. Oh, I I love it because you go through all the boroughs of New York. And every time you leave a borough and you go into a new one, they'll have signs of, welcome to the Queens, you know, welcome to Queens. Um, And so, and and every borough has a different flavor. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Was it Brooklyn, where I think people had been in bars all day? They were yeah. out there cheering like they had been in a bar all day. Yeah. <laughs> but I, and it's always seems to hit at daylight savings time. 
And you don't start until 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. And so I got into Central Park where it ends at 4.30 in the afternoon, but it was dark Uh at 4.30 in the afternoon because of the change. Right. Daylight savings time. Right. And it's always the first Sunday in November, I believe. Yes. Right. Well, Boston's similar to that uh, before they changed the uh, start time. Uh, It used to be 11.59 that they started it, so... When you were getting towards the end of the Boston Marathon, everybody would be coming out of Fenway Park and drunk yeah. <laughs> and cheering on the runners. And that was fun. I mean, there are uh, a lot more animation in that state of mind, I think. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And then I think you also mentioned uh, Disney because oh, you go Disney through the parks. World. Yeah. Uh, one thing that was really unique about Disney World, I did what they call a dopey challenge. On Thursday, you run a 5K. On Friday, you run a 10K. On Saturday, you run a half marathon. And on Sunday, you run the marathon. Yeah. During the marathon, they had the roller coaster open so you could actually deviate from the marathon course, jump on the roller coaster, take the ride, get back on the marathon course, and continue on your way. Really? (laughs) Yes. And it was just open if you wanted to go over there and hop on and go for a quick ride? Yes. It starts very early in the morning. So it's before the park opens. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right, because it starts at 5 or 4.30, something like that. Very early. So uh, what do you know about what mile that would be in the marathon? I don't right now. I'm just wondering because, you know, we're out there and we're taking these gels and all this water and getting on a roller coaster, that could just rip your stomach apart. <laughs> yes, it could. Yeah. <laughs> Only oh. for the brave and hardy. Yeah. Did you do it? Actually, I didn't. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, I'm in. I'm in your category. I would just keep running and say, "Hey, have a good time over there." Yeah. Well. Well. It, and now let's segue into. You've done over a hundred marathons, but also in this process, you have done half marathons, ten k's, and five k's. And I, I think you do how many a year of those type of races? I would guess I average at least two races a month, and that'd be a minimum. Yeah, and it could be a half 10K or 5K, just yes. something in there. And and I think you wrote to me that you did over um, probably close to 850 to... At least. Uh, something like that. <laughs> uh, you know, when I see you uh, posting on Facebook, you're usually somewhere um, doing a race uh, somewhere. And uh, so tell me, you, you like to travel and do races. What do you like about the travel part? The travel part is just always interesting to go new places, see new things, uh, just the wonder of the world in which we live. But you often do it with friends. And so a group of us will get together and we'll travel someplace together and enjoy that place that we're going to. And the frosting on the cake to me is then also to participate in a run. Yeah. Well, sometimes you actually plan your trip around a run that might be in that area at that time. Yes. Uh, Last August, uh, we went to the Santa Rosa uh, event where on Saturday they had you could run a 5K or a 10K, and on Sunday you could run a half marathon or a marathon. And the whole city came out for us. And so after wow. the race, uh, the city was there. They made you pancakes. So you got pancakes at the end of the race. And the 
best tasting watermelon. Oh, wow. It was so good because it was very hot last year. Yeah. And then they had a beer festival in the town square to top it off. So uh, experiencing things like that is great fun. Oh, it, it's absolutely great fun. And I, I know that uh, in what you sent me, there was something that really stuck out is when you go and visit a town and you just go there, um, you get to see through a car what the what the town is like but when you're running a race you actually get to have your feet on the ground and see things that you would otherwise miss that's it i think so that's the benefit of doing a run while you're also traveling right and you know all these other little goodies that uh, that are provided at the end of the run any little festivals or any after race uh events or anything like that if you're just visiting town you'd never be able to experience that that's exactly right so it's yeah now in um in austin you um are a coach yes tell me a little bit about that um i coach for austin fit i uh, first joined austin fit in 1998-99 to train myself to do the austin marathon and um then they asked me if I would coach. <laughs> and so I've been coaching on and off. Every now and then I'll take a year off from coaching. But uh, my passion is taking people who have never run a marathon and coaching them through to run their first marathon because I think it changes their life. I think once people see that they can run a marathon, they see there are other things they can do as well and that nothing is impossible. It changes their whole attitude about life. You know, the the, the whole premise of this show, uh, Feel Good Running, is for the everyday runner. These are for folks that, you know, we're not going to win the New York City Marathon. (laughs) Chances are we're probably not even going to win part of our age group unless we're in a really small town in a really small race now you you win a lot of your age group which uh, um and i know that for a fact because i see the results uh and but but to to have an everyday person that maybe for whatever reason they want to get into running and then they have someone to help them uh achieve that goal you're absolutely right. I've seen it change so many lives. Um, and, you know, running is just so much more than just putting your foot in front of each other at faster pace than walking. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you've seen that people coming across the finish line and just breaking down because they never believed it. Yep. And you helped them. <laughs> it's a good feeling. Not, you didn't help them to break down. You helped them to get across the finish line <laughs> and achieve something that they never thought that they could. And, you know, probably similar feeling you get with your teaching, too. When I coach, too, I find that if I'm doing a marathon, I might actually do 30 miles because your group starts splitting up. And so I'll often run with the lead group, then I'll drop back to see how the group behind him is doing that I'll pick it up a bit and see how the lead group's doing. So I'm going back and forth. Back and forth, yeah. So I'll usually end up running more than a marathon. Yeah, but you're so passionate about it. <laughs> and, you know, you're in that scenario, you're giving back. You know, you and I as runners, um, we've been out there trudging through mile after mile after mile. And the volunteers out there that give of their time uh, to hand you a, a cup of water or standing on the side and clapping and cheering you on when you really need to be cheered on because you're 
about ready to collapse. Um, there's so many of those uh, stories out there. And, you know, it's nice to give back and, you know, everything that's been given to me for running, trying to give back and the same with you with your coaching. And actually, Fred and I do volunteer at races. So we make sure we do that because we realize how important that is for the people that are running the race. So the um, so folks that are listening to this podcast, um, like I mentioned before, are everyday runners. Uh, what what's some things that you could tell them to motivate them, to inspire them based on all of your experience, you know, what, what would be some things that you advice you could give or some comments you could give to help them? My advice would be see if you can find a running group, whether it's an organized running group like Austin Fit or a casual running group like one other friend, two other friends, or a group of friends. Um, if you have a running group, then uh, you make a commitment that you're going to go with them and you're going to run with them. And at this stage of my life, I'm actually into using what they call the Galloway method, which are run walks where you do intervals, where you run and you walk. And if you're beginning, I would encourage you to look into that type of running where you do intervals and intersperse the walking in. Right. And um, you have been, for your time here on this trip, you've been working a little bit with uh, Linda. Yes. And... um, just last night, uh, we we put on a, a Wednesday night running a run uh, through Valley Isle Road Runners. It's a group run; it's free to anybody. It's uh, here. It starts at five thirty in Kihei. So if you're ever out here, please join us. Um, Linda's been running a little bit over a year, but she's been a, a semi discouraged recently because she has that uh, knee issue. And she got out of the car yesterday, and I was the only one there, and. She looked like her whole world collapsed, absolutely collapsed because her knee was bothering her and she's going to be doing the Maui Half Marathon coming up in October. Uh, She just looked deflated and sad. And, uh, you know, I tried to pump her up a little bit and give her some encouragement. And then she went with you yesterday for our group run and you did four miles and uh, and you've been working with her ever since you came out here. And uh, when she got done last night, you, she was she, her feet were not on the ground. They were up above the ground. She was on cloud nine. So I thank you for for taking her out and just giving her that encouragement to keep on keeping on because I, she's going to do it. And she's a wonderful person. But you have a lot to do in the last couple of weeks with her starting to believe in herself more. You know, Jim, you get as much as you give. It's always the case. You might think that I gave to her, but she gave to me too. Well, yeah, and I I understand that. I I get that too, you know, just seeing how many people come out to the Wednesday night run and the people that are new and talking and getting to know each other and the stories behind it. You're right, I get a lot out of that also. Um, But it's it's a and, and back to your point about a running group. Linda would have quit a long time ago if she just was out there by herself. She would quit. Most of us probably would have quit if we wouldn't have found a running group unless we're completely motivated to go out and do this. And that's the power of a running group. She's there. She shows up. She was with you. 
Yes. So. Even if it's one other person. Yeah. So you make a commitment. Exactly. And it makes it, it makes your running more fun. Right. Nah, that's not even the word I'm trying to use. Well, I run with a group of women in Austin, and we always say we don't need therapy because we run together. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. What final words would you like to give to the folks that are listening uh, today? Because I'm, I'm going to put your picture up and you know some <laughs> other things, but something you'd like to leave our listeners with today. I encourage everyone to run, walk, Run and walk together. Uh, there is something about um, getting together with your friends and doing it, uh, then having a goal of going to a race that's maybe in your area, and the support that you give each other and is just makes you feel so good. And even better is traveling with your friends to go to races and the like. So I encourage you to just get the ball rolling. So and start by walking. That's just fine. And then add your run walks and so on. Do local races, do national races. I've never done an international race. Well, I guess I'll take that back. I have. Was let's see, it was in New Caledonia. <laughs> do you want me to tell that story? Yeah, please. <laughs> well, we were standing in line uh, to get through customs. And so I was kind of bored because it took quite a long time. And there was a newspaper there about current events. And the very next day, they were having what they called a trail run. Wow. <laughs> and so I said to Fred, we were training to do a marathon at that time. It seems like we always are yeah. year-round. And so I said, um, oh, look, they're having a trail run tomorrow. Let's do the trail run. So we were staying with uh, scientists that Fred works with. And he drove us to the park. First thing I noticed is uh, there was no water there, and we didn't take water with us. Mm. <laughs> because we're used to running in races where right. they have water stops. Well, um, so that was the first thing I noticed. And the race took off, and we started running, and everything was okay until <laughs> we were going up a mountain with just uh, bushes tied with uh, ribbons on them, there was no trail and there was no water. <laughs> wow. And so this, I guess their idea of a trail run is you make the trail as you run. As you run, yeah. Yes. So it was really, you had to look for bushes and the like that had these ribbons tied on them. And part of the rail was, uh, it's an island, so it was along the shore. And uh, when Fred went through, the tide was out. When I went through, the tide was in. And then finally, at the end of the race, I'm hoping to get some water. Yeah. And they were out. <laughs> and oh, oh. I... Uh, probably was about eight or nine miles or something like that. Whoops! Gosh, that's okay. You got the you got the uh, eye watch. It's awesome. Yep. <laughs> so eight or nine miles. So how long did it take you before you could get some fluids? Uh, oh, I forgot. It was a point to point race. So we had told our friend to pick us up at the park where he dropped us off. <laughs> And then we realized that we would have to walk back to the start. And so along that walk back to the start, where the friend was going to pick us up, we managed to find some water for me. Oh. And then he was driving around and uh, saw us as we were walking back to the start. Yeah. So you eventually got water. I eventually got water. 
and now I know what a trail run is. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I have run in international races. There you go. So you got one of those under your belt. I'm the same with you. I don't have any international races. So, um, well, you know, it's always a pleasure to see you and Fred, uh, you know, and you had a nice long uh little vacation out here on Maui this time and you've joined us and we've done some other things besides running um got together for you know a couple happy hours and things like that so um but it's always a pleasure to see you and Fred and I know you come out here a couple times a year and we get to see you and uh you always are responding to our weekly emails or a Facebook picture or whatever but uh you definitely are an inspiration to a lot of people, and I'm sure not just here on Maui, but I'm sure everywhere in what you do. And you're just so joyful, and, and you always have a smile on your face when you're running. I, don't, I never saw a picture without a smile on your face. <laughs> so we absolutely appreciate you, Karen, and thank you for sharing your life and some of your running stuff and stories uh, with us. And... Uh, and uh, I'm sure by the time I see you again, you're going to have about another 35 races under your belt. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, Jim, and uh, can't tell you how much we have enjoyed getting to know you and all you do for the Valley Isle Roadrunners. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that very much. Just just like you, it comes from the heart. Just love doing it. All right. Well, have a good one. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. Well, there you have it. What a pleasant interview with Karen. I hope you enjoyed that. And you can find Karen on Facebook and see all of her running adventures. And, you know, at 75 years old, come on, man, that is awesome. So shout out to Karen. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I thoroughly enjoyed interviewing you and can't wait to see you and uh, Fred next time you come out. And if you, the listener, have a story that you would like to share, with everybody. Maybe you overcame a challenge or you have something special you'd like to share uh, being an everyday runner. Please go to feelgoodrunning.com and there's a space there that you can put in your story and maybe we can get you on the show. It'd be a pleasure to have you because the show is all about you, the everyday runner. Here is a running quote to keep you inspired and feeling good. I love running quotes, and I think it's really important that you have an arsenal of running quotes that you can go back on and think about to get motivated and inspired. And I found a really good one this week. It goes like this. Be somebody nobody thought you could be. Think about that on your next run. You know, running can do that. It can make you somebody that nobody thought you could ever be. I guarantee it. Until next time, stay safe, run well, and always, always feel good about your running. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Please consider sharing this podcast with your running friends and spread the feel-good running vibe around you. Head over to feelgoodrunning.com to access all the links and resources mentioned on the show. Until next time, keep motivated, keep focused, and keep on running. It is sure to make you, well, feel good.